0: Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the 5th edition Vampire the Masquerade tabletop role playing rules by World of Darkness. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. Listeners should know that this podcast is intended for a mature audience and will include strong language and mature themes. All content, including names, Places, events, companies, and so forth that may bear resemblance to entities living, dead, or undead is strictly coincidental. My name is Rena Henze, and for tonight's game, I will be your storyteller. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to a very special episode of the Old Ways Podcast, Vampire the Masquerade Chronicle Shards of San Francisco. I am your storyteller, Storyteller Rena, and tonight we are introducing a very special new character. So I'd like to welcome John back to our campaign. John, thanks for coming back. I know it's been a little bit. We all hey, miss it's been Vince. been minute, right? Right, yeah. But we're glad to have you back, so why don't you uh, introduce yourself?
1: Hi, I'm John. I'm formerly Vince from season one and the start of season two, uh, but I'll be playing a new character who is friendly, amicable, warm, Sylvester LaViolette, Quebecois hunter.
0: And what's Sylvester's clan?
1: Sylvester is of Clan Gangrel. He Wonderful. doesn't like you using his surname and <laughs> really don't call him Sly really hates that Sylvester Sloan's career baffles him and he he's just mad at the guy
0: and also like most Canadians he doesn't like his name being shortened
1: no Reed does not care for it
0: really doesn't all right so let's uh pick up this evening with Sylvester so Sylvester it's February 17th for you 2023 you're in Oakland where you've been for quite a bit, although you only recently returned back in 2021 after a bit of a hunting expedition. Only five years, not that long, Mm. up in your native Canada. And uh, it's a cold, drizzly sort of night, but considering you come from the frozen north, it's actually really not that cold. And you tend to laugh at the humans who act like temperatures in the 40s are freezing and they're all going to die if they don't wear their parkas. But, uh, you know, it's it's cold and drizzly. It's been a little bit of a, a weird time for you, right? Big changes have been happening in San Francisco across the Bay. And you've been working with Mariam Amralahi, who has recently been elected chief of Gangrel, Clan Gangrel. And by elected, uh, I mean there was a large clan gathering she said i'm going to be chief five other people said well we want to be chief and then there was a bit of a kerfuffle and everyone said okay mariam you're in charge
1: she really earned the ticket
0: typically how things go for clan gangrel right you've known mariam for some time and she's moved out of the camarilla territory she used to be the primogen And uh, you have a much better working relationship now that she's an Anarch versus versus Camarilla. But on this particular evening, she's asked you to meet with her uh, in one of the parks in Oakland, just a nice, quiet, secluded location near where you normally spend your time anyway. You don't like most country gang rule. You don't like being inside if you can at all avoid it. So... She's asked you to meet because she has some updates for you and some instructions on your next steps. So, on this particular night, you wander into the park. Why don't you describe Sylvester for our listeners as you're entering the park as the drizzly cold rain is coming down?
1: Yeah, Sylvester's, uh, ooh, he's, when I said short earlier, I, I meant it. He's about five foot four. He has long, greasy, matted ginger hair Heavy stubble walks with a slight limp uh, On his left leg And he's wearing uh, cargo pants Tucked into combat boots A flannel shirt And a denim jacket over He has a beanie in his pocket But he's not wearing it Nobody's gonna call him on that He's also got a guitar over his shoulder just upside down on the strap
0: more for camouflage than anything else or does he actually play the guitar
1: he would tell you he does (laughs) members of Clan Gangrel that are actually musically trained would tell you that that is not the verb for what he does what he does is he hurts the guitar was inspired to pick it up during the 60s and uh, really just loves the sound it makes uh, loves telling ballads of stuff cool Gangrel have done And stuff he's done he's not a musician (laughs) he's not definitely not a talented musician and uh, the reason he's able to be almost like a a storyteller within Clan Gangrel is because when people tell him to shut up he he breaks their face so that's that's why he's a storyteller
0: absolutely makes sense for, for Sylvester here so as you amble into the park You're pretty familiar with this location. It's quiet. Because of the drizzle, there's not a whole lot of people out here. Not a whole lot of humans. uh, Even though it's still fairly early-ish in the evening. It's only about 8pm by the time you come in. Uh, You do hear the squirrels nestling in some leaves. And there's a few insects around. Um, And, of course, the pigeons. Mariam has quite the army of pigeons... You don't know exactly what she does with them, but you know wherever Mariam goes, there's going to be a flock of pigeons in the vicinity. And sure enough, uh, seated on a park bench under a large tree, you see Mariam. Uh, She's a petite woman about your height, actually. She's wearing long trousers, boots, uh, a tunic, and a... Uh, a dark green hijab over her hair, pinned very neatly. She looks very well put together. And she's talking in a low voice to a pigeon oh, that's seated on her wrist. It's got a black patch over one eye, and she just says, Well, Edgar, if that's all, you can you can be off. Uh, just make sure you find me here next time, okay? And you hear a little coo from the pigeon, and, the, and Edgar flies off. And she looks up as you approach and says, Good evening, Sylvester.
1: Hey there now, Mario.
0: Ah, charming as ever. How are you finding this fine evening?
1: He just sits down next to her. And he just takes out a pack of c- cigarette papers. There we go. Yeah, no, he just sits down next to her and takes out a packet of cigarette papers and just starts rolling up cigarettes, just licking the paper. And he's like, well, oh, things ain't too bad. Things ain't too bad. No, just... Uh, just woke up, got up, and, uh, well, I remembered I had an appointment with you, and I, uh, came straight over.
0: Well, I do appreciate you remembering that we have an appointment. It's nice to know that I'm a priority. She smiles to let you know she's just teasing you.
1: Just gives her this shit eating grin back, and he's just like, Oh, well, you know, it's, uh, when a friend makes time, friend makes time. So, how you been?
0: Well, you know. Getting things in order, as much as one can with us. And she chuckles. Way too much paperwork involved in being chief, but hey-ho.
1: He just kind of looks up and he's like, you can write?
0: <laughs> yes, Sylvester.
1: La-dee-da.
0: Mm, I know, so highfalutin and fancy of me, but that's why I'm chief.
1: Yeah, checks up bud.
0: Well... I had a visit with Baron Voss over at the Independent Port, as we discussed, and he is more than willing to accommodate you as my personal envoy from the clan, if you're still willing, of course.
1: No, no, I'm super happy to do it. I, uh, you know, get me into the city, get me messing around with with some of the folks in there. No, that'll be good. I like what he's doing. I mean, I think it's still too big, but you know, I mean, being involved, I'll be able to break stuff down a little bit.
0: Well, it's a start. We can't hmm. just all descend into anarchy immediately.
1: I keep telling you if we just put a bomb just like in the mayor's office.
0: Sylvester,
1: I'm just say it'd solve a lot of problems
0: and create quite a few more. Yep. No bombs, please.
1: He just shrugs and goes back to rolling cigarettes.
0: She shakes her head. There's a large population of us over there now, so you won't be standing out too much with the rest of the kindred. And I've also been assured that there is plenty of park space for you to inhabit.
1: That's No, I don't care for cement, concrete all that much.
0: uh... Who does? Well... Ventrue. The other ones do, I suppose, yes. Speaking of Ventrue, uh-huh. have you heard what happened to, uh, our dear William Mallet the other night? Or have you been too underground?
1: No, I, I'd love to hear all about it.
0: Someone. And she pets a pigeon on the head. She says she's talking. Someone, uh, we, we don't know who, of course, but someone engineered a massive pipe failure in his fancy glass building and well let's just say it's not just him who's full of shit now
1: <laughs> oh that's good that's a real good one. so mm. literally covered the whole building full of shit right yes oh uh, but that's excellent love it
0: i thought you would and she pets uh, one of the the pigeons against us Sylvie told me all about it. She was nesting just outside his window. He never noticed.
1: That's that's the thing with with all these high types. They don't look at what's right under their noses. They don't look at us. And that's that's their problem. And we're going to make it their problem forever until they're gone.
0: Yes. At the very least, I'm sure they're figuring out it was unwise to underestimate... Clan Gangrel but and she gets a little bit more serious you see her body language shift the way she does when she's going from friend to clan leadership essentially and she says now Sylvester it is very important that you do not take action against the hammer on your own without authorization it could lead to some very very bad retaliation
1: Camarilla's bigger than any one vampire.
0: You remember. I'm so proud of you.
1: Well, after last time, and he, like, strokes his cheekbone, which took a while to reheal. He's just like, yeah, no, I remember the lesson. I, uh... I'm only to act with... with the pack.
0: That's... Right. And part of your... part of your pack for the foreseeable future... Will be Baron Voss and his, well, still calling them a coterie, I believe. As That's they their have, word. I know it's their word, but it's what we have. Their their pack, let's say, will be part of yours. I understand the Baron has some plans, which you may find useful, and also perhaps pleasurable, in many ways, but. It is very important we not bring down the entire Camarilla on the Bay Area. And she leans in and she gets very serious for a moment. So you remember what they did in Alberta? The fires?
1: Yeah, and he kind of just looks down and he's like, yeah. Yeah, I remember. I uh, won't bring that down,
0: We protect the land, Sylvester. And I know you care as much about that as the rest of us do. And part of our job in that is making sure we don't bring down the ones who don't care and will destroy the world around them just to watch everyone else burn.
1: Yeah, I got you. I got you. Boss. I, uh... He just kind of nods and looks down. He's like, I know I get uh, carried away and all that, but I uh, I do listen. I do remember. I do my best to do you proud in there.
0: She smiles. She She doesn't Pat you on the shoulder or anything. She doesn't touch people, generally. She's not that kind of person. But she just nods and says, I know you do your best, Sylvester, and that's why I picked you for this job. I trust you. Even if you get a little too gung-ho. And she reaches over as if she's going to touch you, but she just sort of pats the air above the left part of your chest and goes, that last hunter got a little bit too close, though.
1: You got as close as I had to get to be caught. You gotta lure lure him in. You gotta get them into the snare.
0: Just be careful.
1: All right, I'll be careful. Just so I, I'll be working with this Voss fella.
0: Yes, I think you'll, I think you'll get along, even though he's doing a lot of admin sort of things.
1: Yeah, he absolutely makes a face at the word admin.
0: <laughs> she smiles. He's an agitator like you, but more on the kind side of things. Worked with, uh, still works, I believe, with some of the local labor unions. That should appeal to you.
1: I, I really sat with some of those fellows back in the day, yeah. Yeah,
0: I'm sure you did. They're all right, did. bunch of boys. Not just boys anymore, Sylvester.
1: He looks down, he's like, yeah, sorry. <clears throat> They're a great bunch of folks.
0: There we go. I know it takes time to pick up the lingo, but you'll get there. But, uh, he's got some plans. We have some plans, but I have a feeling we'll be rooting out some of the goose steppers in San Francisco. Not just on our side. On the human side.
1: And he kind of, like, he visibly perks up at this. He's just like... Oh, well, you know, I mean, I'm I am, I'm always real, real happy to help with stuff like that, you know, but I just uh, gives me this warm feeling that I, that I had in my chest back when it just
0: hmm. when when the Baron and I discussed plans for the next few months. Uh, those were some things that were mentioned, and that's why I thought of you to be my envoy for this particular set of time. We'll see how it goes from there, but uh, I, I do think your particular skills and talents will be put to good use as well as your passions and I think the Bay Area will be a better place for it as long as you hunt with the pack.
1: He's about to give her a series of interesting facts about the jaguar, but he's <laughs> just like, no, no, she knows this already and doesn't care. <laughs> no, you know, I uh, I'll stick with the pack and I'll do what well. I'll keep them safe, and I won't cross the line unprovoked.
0: That's as much as I can ask for.
1: Ah, perfect. And he just puts a little cigarette in his mouth, and he's just, like, visibly just patting <laughs> for matches. He's just like, you know, I don't use those lighters, not since I... I changed the taste. Does that make sense?
0: Yes, and also you do tend to accidentally drop things and singe your... Skin. No more fire-related incidents, I hope, since then. No, no,
1: no, no. Nothing like no. that.
0: She smiles and pulls a box of matches out of her pocket and just gives you the whole box. I thought you might need them.
1: Fears. He just uh, lights up. It's just like, oh. So, into the city. Visit this Vosfeller. Do I have to call him Baron? Is he using the title?
0: From what I gather, others are calling him that he did not choose the title for himself, which I f- feel you would appreciate more.
1: No, I do. Might be an alright sort of guy. Bruja, right?
0: Oh, yes. Hmm. Very.
1: No, no, I think I heard a few few things about him.
0: Do you remember Esmeralda from the Second yeah. War? She's with him as well.
1: He just gives his... His grin earlier was just shitting. This is even further beyond that, he's just like, oh, fucking A. Oh, that's great.
0: Yes, I'm sure she'll enjoy hunting with you again. Cause quite some chaos.
1: A good time's a good time.
0: In answer to your question, I don't think you'll need to call Marcus Baron. Call him by his name. He'll appreciate it.
1: Alright, yeah. Sounds good.
0: She stands up and Sylvie the pigeon is on her hand and she leans in and whispers something and Sylvie nuzzles her face and then hops over to your shoulder and Mariam smiles and says Sylvie needs a new line of work since the building she was watching is now uh, well gone to shit so and she smiles and says Sylvie Will be a point of contact. If you need to send me a message immediately and you don't have time to come yourself, send it with Sylvie. I know you don't care much for technology. I don't expect you to have a phone. So Sylvie will act as our SMS. It's
1: just like. So so I don't need to write a message and put it around her leg. She'll tell you things that I tell her.
0: Well, she looks at Sylvie, and Sylvie just sort of bobbles her head. Sylvie's a very intelligent pigeon. Hmm,
1: And your messages will be to me in writing?
0: Yes, because she can't speak to you.
1: Alright, yeah. Um, sounds good. <laughs> He's like, well, I guess I'm going to be that crazy pigeon man walking into the city, but, uh...
0: Well, she won't always be with you. She'll be around. You just have to say her name, and she'll find you unless you want to be the crazy pigeon man of San Francisco in which case I can happily oblige and a cloud of pigeons just kind of rises up behind her
1: he's like no no it's good it's all it's all, it's all good boss it's it's all fine I uh nah it's good it's good now boss
0: very well I expect you to introduce yourself to the Baron within the next few days. Don't leave it too late. He'll be sending one of his own people here as an envoy as well, so we need to keep things equal. Don't take too long, but let me know if you need anything.
1: Nah, boss, I don't think I'll need anything. Just, uh... I mean, you gave me some matches. I got my smokes. I got my knife. I got my guitar.
0: Yes, uh, playing that in the parks of San Francisco might draw unwanted human attention, so perhaps be careful with the guitar.
1: He's just like, nobody likes it when I play anyway except us, but, you know, it's a big deal. I, uh, I might inspire somebody, but, you know, I will keep it to myself and maybe only play on Saturdays.
0: Mm, yes, well, Saturday nights are alright for fighting and you do tend to start a few fights when you start playing, so...
1: It, it always ends with one anyway, so, I mean, why, uh, why bother, eh?
0: Well... The Oakland Bears tend to spend some time over in San Francisco now since their leader, Fuzzy, is one of Marcus's friends. So if you want to go bar hopping with the, she laughs, Bears, and uh, get involved in a few fights, you can always tag along with them. Oh, so I'll leave you to your evening then. And she pats, leans over and pats Sylvie on the head and Sylvie pecks your ear (laughs) and Mariam says we'll be in touch and she disappears into the trees followed by a flock of pigeons
1: he just looks above the trees trying to keep vague idea of where she's going (laughs) just uh, Sylvie's still on my shoulder
0: yes Sylvie's just kind of cocked her head and is looking at you as if asking if you want her to stay or
1: you can stay if you want I don't really give a shit talk to animals that everybody took to that part of the blood. You can sit next to me. Please don't sit on my shoulder.
0: She kind of shakes her head side to side, like pigeons do when they're walking, mm-hmm. uh, except side to side instead of front and back. And she looks... If, if a pigeon could look offended, she looks offended.
1: No offense, just prefer not to have you on the shoulder.
0: She flaps off. Thank you. So what is... Sylvester normally do on an evening when he's not meeting with his clan chief.
1: Not a lot to do, really. I mean, gotta find ways to keep busy, and usually that's the hunt. But lately, things have been, you know, gearing down here, getting ready for goofed smoke. So, one last hunt out here though couldn't hurt, right? I mean, just one last little, little old hunt. But I got one thing I got to check first. That's a... I got to check one thing. Make sure a certain somebody learned his lesson and has been staying in line.
0: So you want to check in on Jim Slater?
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jim Slater. That's who I'm thinking of visiting. All
0: right. So it's, you know, about 8.30 p.m. Jim should be home from his afternoon shift. He works down at a gas station. Pretty low paying job but it's the only kind of job he can really hold down and he usually gets home about between 7.30pm and 8pm so he should be home by now and usually like to wait at least an hour after he gets home to see if he falls back into his angry drinking pattern because if you show up right away he'll still be in his good behavior work uniform Mm -hmm. so you head over in the rain, to the rather dilapidated-looking tenement house. All these apartments stacked on top of each other. They're pretty run down. They're not well taken care of. The building manager is never available whenever tenants need someone, and the building is owned by a company out in Arizona, so they're never available either because they don't actually have an office in California. And it, it's pretty low-income housing. It's still expensive because it's the Bay Area, but it's on the lower end. And it's rent-controlled because of, of city regulations. So you go up to the sixth floor of this building. Do you take the stairs, the elevator?
1: Stairs. Elevator is just a death box.
0: It really is. You don't like being trapped in those tiny mm-hmm. spaces. do not care for it. You notice that the lights between the fourth and the sixth floors are broken again, and the bulbs haven't been replaced, but you can see fairly well in the dark. You don't need them. And you make your way up the dirty, dark staircase to the sixth floor to apartment 615.
1: It's about the time where our boy Jim has usually had a drink or two. So, usually my check is, does the kid have any bruises? And I'd usually see him when he's out playing, but, uh, because Jim and his wife don't much keep the kid in don't give him much structure and I don't much care to judge on that front I don't. folks got their own struggles don't care about that but it's when I see the bruises on the kid that I start to take exception and I didn't see him playing today so I'm thinking I might need to perhaps just have a little chat just pop in make myself just press the flesh as the politicians call it so yeah just a shave and a haircut two bits knock follow up with the two bits just wait at the door
0: you knock on the door and you hear Jim's loud angry voice saying who the fuck is it Betty get the door and you hear a woman's low voice saying something and you hear Jim just swearing says get the fucking door my show's on I work hard all fucking day you can get the fucking door and a minute later there's a very timid sort of sound of the little peephole cover going up and coming down and then very quickly the door unlocks and you mm-hmm. hear Betty say "It, it, it it's um, Sylvester Jim she opens the door. She looks very frightened. You see the this middle-aged woman. She looks middle-aged, but she can't be more than thirty-one. But she's aged before her time. She's wearing jeans and a fairly old t-shirt with an apron over it. She looks very tired. Her hair's straggling around her face. She's got dark circles under her eyes. Mm-hmm. But she just she just looks up at you wide-eyed and you hear a very frantic movement coming from further into the apartment yeah
1: and Sylvester just smiles and it's not a pleasant thing to see
0: he doesn't
1: consciously do it but he looks at everyone that isn't a gangrel like game and he knows he does it he just doesn't care to stop even Betty you uh keeping well?
0: She just sort of nods wide-eyed. She presses herself up against the wall, as she does pretty much every time you come by. A-, a lot of people have this reaction to you. They sort of subconsciously press themselves up against the wall or go to the other side of the street. But people tend to avoid you, whether or mm. not they know they're doing it. Betty knows she's doing it. She just sort of tries to melt into the wall, and she, she nods. And, it It... it-, 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 it- could be worse, Sylvester. Uh, J- J- Jim's in there. He's he's uh, he's had a had a long day.
1: That's all right. He'll make time for me, won't he?
0: Uh, of course, always, <laughs> always time for f- for friends. Of course,
1: and he just slinks through the doorway in just a beautiful, fluid movement. That there's nothing. No movement is wasted in how he carries himself. It's just real light and just. Soft steps, except for the left leg. That's a little bit heavier, but that can't be helped. He's just going to walk in and he's just going to push open the living room door and he's just going to stand there and just be like, well, now, Jim, how's my, how are you doing, bud?
0: Jim has fairly apparently moved to his feet kind of hastily from this ratty old recliner. He's wearing jeans and a tank top of some kind, like what they uh, call a muscle tank. It's stiflingly hot in here as if the heat's been turned up way too high, even though it is a chilly night, it shouldn't be this warm inside. And you see there's three cans of, of beer open and presumably empty on the table next to him. He's just turned the TV off. You see his hand hit the button just as you come in. Uh, but he's just sort of standing there, looking, face kind of puffy, uh, his thinning hair is wild, bit crazy, as if he hasn't done anything with it since taking his hat off and getting getting inside, and he's wearing ratty old slippers. And he looks at you and goes, uh, "Sylvester, wasn't wasn't expecting you tonight. Uh, how you been?
1: Oh, I'm good, but I'm good. I just uh, wanted to just pop in." I was in the neighborhood, thought I'd just show my face with an old friend.
0: Oh, yeah. He stumbles over his words, and he's kind of backing up a little bit, again like Betty did when you entered the apartment, and you see if you turn slightly, Betty's sort of pale, anxious face looking in through the doorway. Uh, She's wringing her hands a little bit. She she looks absolutely terrified. Uh, We're Fine. Fine. Ben's fine. He's he's in bed. Kids gotta go to bed early, you know, uh, school night.
1: Yeah, of course. Little fella doing his homework.
0: Uh, of course.
1: I mean, you're checking, aren't you? You're checking that your boy's doing.
0: And you know, even with your limited contact with human society, it's a Friday night. Mm hmm. It's not a school night.
1: I know where little Ben sleeps. And I'm just gonna, soft, real soft footsteps, walk down, almost soundless, and just look Jim in the eye as I open the door to the room and just poke my head in.
0: Well, you open the door and it's, you know, a room suitable for an eight-year-old. It's fairly messy, as many eight-year-olds are, but there's little plastic dinosaurs scattered all over the ground. You see a Lego set that you actually brought for him on his birthday uh, last year that has been halfway assembled. But kids have a hard time with attention span. And if no one's helping them, they Mm. tend not to finish these things. But Ben is in his pajamas. He's got monster truck PJs um, and he's just sitting in bed. He's not laying down. He's just curled up in a corner and he's sucking his thumb which is not something most eight-year-olds tend to do. No, it is not.
1: Very softly enter the room, close the door, and uh, he just sits down at the end of the bed. He's just like, you're there now, bud. How's my little champ doing?
0: I saw Wester. it's cold. And I asked Daddy to turn the heat on, and he, he said, what am I made of money? And then he turned the heat all the way on and said we weren't going to get... We weren't going to get food next week because I made him turn the heat on.
1: Sylvester like brushes his kid's hair back, and he's just like, "I have a talk with your daddy. So, I'll explain to him about the heat. And you know, I'll make sure that there's money for food as well, little buddy. You were not gonna, you're not you're not going to go without, not while I'm around."
0: He doesn't have any bruises or anything. It looks like Jim's been behaving himself, other than yelling at his mm-hmm. kid. It's it's okay just it was cold because it's raining and we didn't have heat at school today and I was so cold
1: I just looked down at his blanket the the kids blankets are way too thin for the environment that he's in and the shitty fucking apartment he's just like you leave it with your Uncle Sylvester I'm gonna take care of you right
0: okay I saw the Lego set and he points at it
1: no I saw I saw. it's real good bud I uh so look I wanted to check in with you. I, uh, I'm going to be out of town for a little bit. Going to be going off on some business.
0: Oh. Don't, don't tell Daddy that. He won't know. Okay. But, uh. He's nicer when you come.
1: Your Daddy just needs structure. See, see, Ben, he's the type of guy that struggles without it. And thinks he doesn't need it, but he does. And I'm here to remind him of that because, well, I'm your Uncle Sylvester and that's what I do. You, uh, other than that, how's school going?
0: Don't, I don't like math.
1: Numbers is important, kid. I didn't get them and I'm struggling nowadays without them.
0: But we're learning about birds in, in science class and it's really cool. And I could name more birds because you told me about them, Uncle Sylvester. And, and my teacher said I'm doing real good with the birds.
1: That's great. So look, think of it this way. You, uh, you ain't good with numbers, but you're good with, with the things that is. And that's that's one of them things that no one is going to teach you. But you just got to learn about the world around you. And that's important. Just always try to learn. All righty?
0: Okay. I want to, I want to be a, we had a, we had a a job stay where where people from, from like old people, like 30, come and talk about their jobs. And, and I want to be a, he slows down as if he's trying to pick out the syllables. Conservationist. Yeah. It was really cool. They take care of parks and 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 you can be outside and 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 you get to learn about animals and he looks like his eyes are all lit up and he actually looks really excited mm-hmm.
1: and Svester just like just gives it's still an ugly grin <laughs> because he can't help himself what he is he's just like little buddy conservation is real important it uh remember you gotta the way we made society was we got too big too fast, but so we got to manage the land that's wild still. And that's that's what that's sort of work that those folks do. It's real important. You got to. How do I put it to you? How do you put it so You get it. You could wind up being a park ranger. You could wind up being like, you know, what I used to do. And you can go out into the countryside for days and days and watch the animals and make sure folks are not burning things down.
0: You can, the 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 science lady. She said that you can you can make things better for animals and for people, and and you can you can be all grown up and you don't have to wear a tie.
1: That is one of the perks. You don't you don't gotta wear a tie. I uh, I ever tell you what? When I finished school, no. When I finished school, you worked at petrol pump. You had to wear a goddamn tie. It was just. And he thinks nothing of cursing in front of a child. <laughs> He's just like, "Yeah, it's just you always had to wear a goddamn tie back then. It was always no matter what you were doing."
0: And Ben looks up at you with wide eyes. "Was this back in the castle's time? We're <laughs> learning about the castle's time. That was a long time ago. Did you have to wear a tie in the castle's time, Uncle Sylvester?"
1: "One around in the castle time, but uh I think they were cravats then, which is a kind of a tie." But a bit fancier. Usually made of fancy material. I don't know. Pattern on them.
0: Like, like puppies? Daddy's Christmas tie is the only one. He's got a Christmas tie. I got it for him three years ago with mommy. And it has puppies on it.
1: They didn't have ones that fun, little buddy. But uh, stuff like that. So look, I'm going to send you some blankies. So that you're not so cold. And you don't need the heat knot, Because your daddy isn't made of money. He is right there. But, uh, I'll have a talk with him about priorities and, uh, yeah, we'll figure some stuff out. And he just ruffles little Ben's hair and he's just like, you're a good boy, Benny. You grew up to be a good man.
0: I try to be a good boy, but Dad- daddy says I'm a very bad boy sometimes. And that's why he has to yell because I'm so bad.
1: And the hand goes down to his shoulder and he's like, don't worry, buddy. You are, believe you me, you are a wonderful little boy you are gonna grow up but remember you gotta always be honest always keep your word don't be too quick to trust any any everybody and always look down for the look out for the little fellas guys like you are right now okay
0: okay and and he he leans in he says and and I remember what you said last time uh, not to say it in front of mommy and daddy he looks around like he's checking to make sure they're not listening (laughs) fuck Nazis and he smiles really big from ear to ear.
1: He's like, just, just the big evil grin in his back. And he's like, that's right, little buddy. That's right. Oh, fuck him.
0: I, I got I got to say the bad word. He just looks so ha- pleased with himself and excited.
1: And he just looks at his watch and he's like, you can build your Legos if you want. I can? Yeah, you can turn on the light and build your Legos if you want. You don't have to stay in bed.
0: Awesome. And he jumps out of bed, throwing his blankets aside, and he just turns on the light, and he starts digging out a box of uh, Legos to go with his castle set.
1: (laughs) He's just like, hey, you know what, bud? You can listen to some music, too. Whatever you like.
0: Cool. You're the best.
1: I had to worry about it. And he's just gonna... (laughs) On it, just turn. Just the hunched shoulders and he's just gonna like go towards the door it's just we need to have a talk Betty's gonna have to be in on this as well because she means well but she's gonna need a bit of talking to as well
0: Yeah, you exit the the kid's bedroom you go into the hallway and you look into the living room and you see Jim is just sort of standing there he, his body language is very much in fight or flight. You can just tell from his posture, but you can just smell the anxiety hmm. and the alcohol in his sweat. And you don't see Betty in here, but Jim is just standing there as if he was waiting for you.
1: Yeah, Betty might have cleared space. She's, she's a smart woman. I'm just going to walk into their kitchen. Just look him dead in the eye and then just... Take my time like it's my house. Walk into the kitchen and open the fridge.
0: You open the fridge and there's another six pack in there. And the one can, it looks like, from a previous pack. There's a few things. It's You check the, the freezer above the fridge as well. There's a, there's some mm-hmm. like frozen microwave dinners, half a loaf of bread on the counter, box of Twinkies. Not a whole lot else.
1: Yeah, this is gonna be a problem. I'm just gonna take his beer. <laughs> I am gonna take the six pack and the single. And I'm gonna walk back into the living room.
0: Jim notices the alcohol in your hand, and he just goes, "Well, uh, can a man have his 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 relaxation time? Uh, Got to have something for himself."
1: Nasty, uh. Jim. 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 And I look him in the eye as I open the single can. I just sip it. That's shit beer, bud. Don't even have any. Molson? Christ. No, I just wanted to have a quick talk. Dead eye contact as he sips the beer. And he's just... I feel like you're ignoring the spirit of what we talked about previously. about the You know, what we talked about? where Where I was like, don't abuse your fucking kid or else I'll...
0: Break every bone in my fucking body.
1: That's right, Jim. So, bud... Listen to me. Sit the fuck down.
0: He sits down immediately. Just can't take his eyes off you.
1: I just put the six-pack down on the floor, and I just walk over and squat within arm's reach. You were lucky to have that little boy. He's a good fucking kid. Now, I get it. You work a shit job for shit pay for shit people. And I know that. I've done that. I'm gonna make sure that you get some blankets and that you have money for food however I want to make two or three things crystal clear to you before I leave here this evening Jim you're a piece of shit you really need somebody to keep you on the straight and narrow boy you fucking need somebody to keep you from being just the worst dog shit piece of shit you can be huh? so reminder One, you don't shout at your goddamn boy unless he's done something real bad, like hurt somebody, which I don't think he's going to do anytime soon. Two, just because you ain't hitting him doesn't mean you're not abusing him. I know maybe you had a daddy that hit you. I did. Fucking we all did. Jim, that's not an excuse to perpetuate the cycle of abuse. That is simply bullshit. So you are gonna actually give a fuck about him. And if you don't do it for his sake, then you're gonna do it for your sake because if I ever come around here and find the sitting room a fucking sweatbox while the little boys in his room without heat. Oh Jim. <laughs> oh Jim, the things I will fucking do that aren't killing you. I can do those,
0: so I'd like a role from Sylvester here mm-hmm. I'd like intimidation plus manipulation, sure. just to see how much is how much he's going to react. You're definitely intimidating him we are we've already established the relationship there, but i, I want to see just how terrified he is as you speak to him now.
1: a nine and an eighth so two successes.
0: Okay? And he is mortal, and you've got this unsettling aura around you. So he just sort of... He looks for a moment when you first start talking to him and calling him a piece of shit. He looks like, in his drunken sort of bravado, he wants to say something. And then... As you go on, you can see him sort of sink back into himself. It's, it's almost like his eyes are sinking further back into his skull and his body language is tightening up, almost like he's going to curl up into a ball at any second. And he is he's shaking a little bit though you don't know if it's it's from fear or from the alcohol or maybe a combination of both, but he's I'm, I'm a piece of shit. I've always been a piece of shit. I I, I don't want my kid to be a piece of shit. No. I I, I won't uh, I'll uh, I won't yell at him no more. I guess I'll try. I'm a goddamn piece of shit and he just starts crying. Like that kind of drunk crying mm-hmm. with snot coming out of his nose and his face turning red.
1: Yeah. The hands just going to just going to reach out, put a hand on his shoulder and just nice firm squeeze not enough to hurt just enough to be a solid prop you know even when he's shaking this arm is holding that side of him dead steady and he's just like see the first step is acknowledging that you're part of the problem you got to make a conscious decision and i think you're you're halfway there jim you're halfway there by being a good man you will raise a good man and that'll be good enough for me all righty I'll try (laughs) I know you will now here's what I'm gonna do I'm gonna bring a couple blankets around tomorrow and uh yeah you know we'll get you all set up do you need extra hours at work is that is that part of the problem
0: he slowly slowly nods doing the hiring more people at part time so they don't have to give us full time stuff and so I cut my hours again and why, and he gestures at the three empty cans and the one uh, that he was holding when you came in. Mm -hmm. told me today I was going from 23 to 18. How fuck am I supposed to pay fucking rent in this place? Fuck!
1: No, no, I got you. I got you. That's, uh, well, you know what I gotta say about that. That's all the capitalist bullshit. And uh, the way society is made by predators for predators against good honest working men so and he just like grabs his jaw and turns the head, like real slow like nothing fast just still predatory though just turns the head so that Jim can't break eye contact he's just like remember Jim right now you're part of the problem but you don't gotta be you can be more it'll be tiring it's bullshit and you'll hate me for it. But that's okay. You can hate me all you want, Jim. But guess what? You won't be ever be able to hurt me. And that's fine. So, you're gonna take care of your boy. If you can be a good husband too, well, that's good on you, bud. But, uh, you're gonna take care of your kid. You're gonna work your fucking ass off to figure out a better way. And Jim, the reason that I'm doing this. And he just like squeezes just behind the jaw collar and he's just like, "Dream, the reason I come on you like a fucking sack of bricks every time I hear you fucked up is because you are capable of so much more. You could be a good fella but but you just ain't. That's not good enough." So, and he just let's go. He's just like, remember, if you slip, I know about it, Jim. And I won't get you that that day or the day after. And you might might even get to thinking, fuck, I can do what I want. Jim, I'll come back and I'll get you. I will come at you after the sun goes down, when you have gone to sleep, and I will tear you limb from limb. If you fall off
0: the wagon. Jim's just... Wide-eyed and staring. All that sort of redness in his face from the alcohol and the onrush of tears is drained away. And he's just looking pale. And he's just nodding. "Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. He can't even get the words out. He's just, "Uh uh-huh. Uh-huh.
1: That's a good man. Now, but if I'm honest, we got to have a quick talk about your
0: drinking. And I think that's where we'll end this episode and our introduction. To Sylvester LeVoilette. Thank you for joining us. Thanks again, John. It's good to have you back. And we hope you will t- tune in next time when our new vampire meets the rest of the Coterie. Thank you and good night.